1: We go. The Black and Blue Report is up and running for a new week. Welcome into the Monday edition of the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings today from Studio B on Airline Drive. We're here at Studio B this morning, but we'll be at Smoothie King Center later. The Pelicans tonight wrap up their seven-game homestand and take on the Memphis Grizzlies. It's been a great homestand so far. Five and one. A win tonight would make this extremely successful. And perhaps uh, pull the Pelicans a little bit closer to the eighth spot in the Western Conference. Three and a half back entering today's play. Um importance to currently the holder of that eighth position. Uh, and the schedule, starting with tonight, uh, I know I'm jumping right into it here, uh, the schedule starting tonight is not only difficult for the Pelicans, but also for the Blazers leading up to the All-Star break. Uh, so this will be an interesting time. Who can steal one? Who can continue riding some success uh, toward the break coming up uh, later this month? Welcome to a new month, by the way. And with that, we turn our attention to the Super Bowl as well. Uh, We'll be talking Super Bowl 50 with you today and throughout the week. We'll start with Anita Marks from ESPN Radio New York, ESPN Radio National, and the ESPN family of networks in general. Uh, She is very familiar with both teams. She's also a member of the uh, New York Giants podcast team, and so she'll help us kick off our Super Bowl 50 coverage today. We'll cover a number of different topics with her, and of course, we'll preview that Pelicans-Grizzlies game with Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Grizzlies here, in just a moment tremera from the pelicans dance team has some big news for us she'll stop by later here on this show as well and we appreciate you joining us we'll take our first time out when we come back we'll begin these monday conversations talking pelicans and grizzlies in just a moment
2: Your New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guys' Night Out six-pack, presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guys' Night Out on Monday, February 1st, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys' Night Out today.
3: You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminex entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites.
0: It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: As mentioned, the Memphis Grizzlies are in town tonight. This is a hot team. They've won three straight, nine of their last 11. They've scored 100-plus in eight straight, and uh, they will be here to help the Pelicans wrap up a season-long seven-game homestand. And back here on the Black and Blue Report is a frequent guest, one of our favorites, Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies who, uh, as we understand it, won the Battle of New Orleans last night after the team's arrival here during Mardi Gras.
4: <laughs> we avoided the tourists, uh, got great food, and uh, made it back to the hotel intact with uh, more money in my pocket than I expected. So uh, not a bad night. Not a bad night. All right,
1: so you're 1-0 on this road trip, <laughs> basically.
4: Yeah. I hate to tell the fans we would kind of like to be two and zero, but this this city hasn't exactly always been kind to the Grizzlies as a team. They uh, they've struggled, although they got a win here earlier. But uh, yeah, they uh, you know you guys are playing better. Uh, you had a winning month of January as we saw, and and certainly uh, the Grizz are playing better. It helps when you're at home for extended amounts of time, and it helps when you're not playing a lot of back to back. So I think both of our teams have kind of reaped the benefit of that. The Grizzlies. Won't play a back-to-back until next weekend, and uh, that will be their first one since December 27th. So this was the part of the schedule that they really looked to to, to try to turn the corner and kind of create some separation between themselves and the teams chasing uh, one of the playoff spots. And now they're trying to create separation between themselves and Dallas. and. In Houston and try to lock into that five spot and try to maybe even chase for the four. If the Clippers would realize that Blake Griffin's important to their team and start playing like that, uh, without him it would really help. But they're they're playing really well right now, so um, you know it, it's looking more and more like it's going to be a five or a six seed unless they, unless something dramatic happens. But um, you know the the, the team's kind of caught their rhythm a little bit, gone back to the way they played defense in years past and. Their offense, as you said, eight straight games over 100, Sean, that's, that ties a franchise record. I would venture a guess that probably tonight that gets broken because these two teams generally don't play high-scoring games against each other.
1: Didn't didn't the two teams barely crack 100 on Dr. King Day in Memphis? I mean, that was a great game.
4: Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun in that game, and I yeah, I think they did, and, and I think that was the first time that anybody had scored 100 against each other, you know, in like the last, 11 meetings or something silly like that, but, you know, it's just the way they play, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a different time now, obviously, here in New Orleans, as you know, with Alvin as your head coach, and a little different from what Monty Williams did, but the Grizzlies still play the same way, and with those two bigs, you know, your roster has been one of the few that's been able to match up between, you know, Amir Sheik and, and Alexia Jinsa and, and, of course, uh, Anthony Davis, and then give it a different look when Ryan Anderson comes in, so... Um, it, it's it's not often you see teams that have two legit bigs that can match up with the Grizzlies bigs and Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol and, and really just basically you play them straight up and not have to double team and bring guys from the wing or the baseline which opens things up and the Grizzlies through their passing against the other teams that don't have that have been able to find those openings and find spots where they can where they can attack and it certainly hasn't hurt that Jeff Green, since getting moved to the bench, has, has re-engaged into what's going on, and um, his last three games have been terrific. You know, he's he's scored 30, 21, and 29, and it's hard to imagine. Although there probably will be somebody else that's Western Conference Player of the Week because I can't keep up with every single game. I know Westbrook had some big ball games, but Jeff Green's certainly a candidate for that award that's going to get announced tomorrow because his his play off the bench has just been absolutely sensational this week, and it's really helped the Grizz.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the Pelicans bench has been dynamite too, namely with Ryan Anderson and Drew Holiday. This is one of those games where it doesn't seem like Eric, there's going to be a lot of drop-off uh, from either one quarter to the next or from starters to bench. At least in these in these cases that we're referring to.
4: No, it, it shouldn't. And you know, you got two guys there that are legit NBA starters. You and I both know that. But uh, that's the rotation here, and and I think it's a good one in terms of you maximize your your opportunities with with Ryan coming off the bench and and with Drew coming off the bench. And and you saw it in the, in the Dr. Martin Luther King celebration game that we have every year. Drew was a a monster. Just, just absolutely going right at the Grizzlies and gives them fits because of his length, because of his first step. And, you know, Mike Conley's a terrific point guard, but, but Drew Holiday, six, four, Mike Conley, six, one. And so he uses that to his advantage. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a, uh, he's been an all-star. It's, there's no denying that. And he, he really helps that second unit uh, for you guys. And looking at some of the film, he, you know, like you said, that that first half, Ryan Anderson had was just sensational and, and had 30 in it. And you know, you see Drew Holiday able to just kind of move the ball wherever he wants to go. Sometimes against other teams' second units, and you know, not a lot of point guards in this league have an answer for it that are starters, let alone guys coming off the bench.
1: Uh, Eric has the time with us here. The voice of the Grizzlies. Hey, let's broaden out a little bit because you brought up the Blake Griffin Clippers situation. Um, you seem <laughs> as surprised. You seem as surprised as I am that the Clippers have played as well as they have. And and I would have to go back and look at the strength of schedule during this 15-16 game stretch we're talking about. Um, aside from you know punching an equipment manager, uh, one has to wonder right now if Griffin is is tradable. Uh, or if they're even thinking about it because of how well the Clippers have played, or have they just gotten away with something and they truly do need Griffin to try and win a championship here?
4: I think they need him to win it all, truthfully, and and I think I've looked at their schedule. It has not been, you know, murderer's row by any stretch of the imagination, but they did win a couple of tough road games. You know, they won in Indianapolis against a good Pacers team. They won at Atlanta against a Hawks team that can really put points on the board. They won those games by two, Uh, they just blasted Chicago. So they've beaten some good Eastern Conference teams. Um, You know, it's the age-old when you don't have a guy that dominates the ball. The rest of the floor opens up and other guys step up. And for them, as you know, you've seen them uh, play firsthand. They have one of the best dribble penetrators in the game in Chris Paul, and he can completely break down a defensive scheme of an opponent by just getting into the lane. And he's kind of taking it on his you know shoulders to to be the leader that he is and and basically get everybody involved and they have willing and open shooters and and you know as much as I'm not a fan of the Lance Stevenson move I was I really was a fan of them getting Paul Pierce cuz I still think he had something to give based on what he did in Washington and Pierce is you know just basically thrived off standing on the perimeter and being able to shoot an open three and you know Chris Paul gets those guys like Pierce and JJ Redick open looks and when you've got a rebounder like Jay, like uh, DeAndre Jordan down low, you know, he's got the ability to sweep the offensive glass as well as the defensive glass, and now he's the guy down there, and there's not many guys that are going to be able to just box him out man-on-man because man he's so athletic and so strong. So are they better without him? I don't buy into all of that. Their record certainly has been terrific, and they've, they've answered that call where guys need to step up, but I think if they're going to have any hopes of moving forward, uh, they need him back. Listen, is their potential first-round opponent? We'd love to see him not there. That's fine. Come, come battle our bigs with just DeAndre Jordan, and we feel like that's a big advantage for our ball club. Now he'll be back by that time. But um, you know, there's there's been talk of a Chris Paul that, the Cleveland trade for Kyrie Irving because you know Paul's you know he's tough on guys, and sometimes guys don't respond, which I don't agree with. I, I want a leader that's tough on guys. I want a guy that holds his teammates accountable. I want a guy that's going to get into guys and and tell them they're doing things wrong, but then also, you know, reward them by giving them good passes and reward them by, you know, making plays. And so uh, for for the Clippers, you know, I I think sometimes the best moves you make are the ones that you don't make. And I think it would be, unless they're talking about a a different deal and, um, you know, maybe getting a a better role player in for them that helps off the bench. I I don't think you move a superstar when you're in this mode. And let's be honest about it, Sean no matter who you are, unless you're Golden State or even San Antonio, you know, everybody's looking up at those two teams. But, you know, the Spurs are even looking up at the Warriors as the way the way that that first matchup went. But, um, you know, you can't start hitting the panic button and try to break it down and build it back up, just as our fans wanted us to do, you know, a month ago. Hey, we got to trade everybody, fire the coach and do this. And all of a sudden, here you are 28 and 20 and, and in the midst of your best stretch of basketball. So... Um, You know, I think we get so caught up into this instant gratification society that we live in where we can reach out and touch and get any information from people that we want right away that we think, oh gosh, if you can't beat Golden State, you might as well just destroy your team, fire your coach, trade your best players, and build it back up. Okay, well, see you in New York at the lottery and have a good time with that because continuity in this league does breed success. And just because one team is experiencing just an absolute amazing run an absolutely amazing run i should say you know you can't base everything you do based on that in terms of what well, you break it down or build it back up now when you're making moves obviously you can try to counter that stuff as you know but you know you're not going to make one move at the mid season point and catch those guys in a half a season so um it'd be interesting to see I, I think they're they're an interesting story at the at the trade deadline as are a lot of teams and um, I think they just made a move that, that's addition by subtraction because the Josh Smith thing did not work for them, and so they sent him back to the one place he actually seems to fit, and that's Houston. But how good does it make them? I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to watch uh, how, how this whole crazy thing plays out. And you know, you guys have done your part of January, and in February and March, you continue these winning ways. It's, it's not out of the to me, it's not out of the realm of the possibility that this that your ball club catches up and and makes up that gap and is fighting for that eighth spot again.
1: Yeah, it is looking very similar to last year. Well said, by the way. Hey, speaking of uh, instant gratification and whatnot, um, the Suns fired Jeff Hornacek today. Um, I'm losing track, Eric. How many interim head coaches have we had in the NBA this season?
4: Oh, just too many, truthfully, and it goes back to what I said. It started in Houston, um, you know, with with Kevin McHale, and then, um, you know, that's the one where you lead a team to – to the Western Conference Finals in the next year, you know, a handful of games in, you're gone. And I just don't agree with that. Now, Lionel Hollins won a lot of games for the Grizzlies and had a heck of a year. But his tenure ended with the Grizzlies because he wanted more money than they were capable of paying. So a lot of people think, oh, the Grizzlies fired Lionel. That's not it. He gets fired in Brooklyn uh, because I don't care who you are. You could send... You know, Red Auerbach and and John Wooden combined up there to that Mets team, and they're not going to win. And their future is pretty bleak with the way they just dealt out draft picks like they were handing out Halloween candy. So, um, you know, those are two. And now you have Jeff Hornacek, and um, I I forget who the other one is off the top of my head, but Cleveland, obviously. So, you know, we've had a lot of coach firings before the All-Star break, more than I remember and some of them are, are bizarre to me some of them are, are a little bit uh, uh, a little bit shameful I, I think the Jeff Horn effect thing is uh, you know it, it's hard to hear because the guy got that team to play at an extremely high level without a real starter on his roster for the last two years you know you look at what he had and everybody on that son's roster in the last two seasons prior to this one that he coached had been a backup player primarily a backup player player, a bench guy, and he gave them an opportunity to start and then that was it. And when you have a player throwing a towel at you because he's upset that you traded his twin brother and it's not even Jeff hornacek's you know, fault for that, you know, that that's that's shameful that, that he takes the blame for that and the way that team's played. They they don't have the horses to win the race. They sold out to try to get Marcus Aldrich. They didn't get him. I didn't think that was the right move for them as it was because I don't know about you, but when I heard where Lamarcus Aldridge could land this summer, Phoenix was not in the top five. And so to start altering your roster, thinking you're going to get him, um, really was a mistake. And the front office made that mistake, not Jeff Hornacek, and he paid the price for it. So um, won't surprise me if there's even a couple more to come. But uh, you know, this business, it's you know, it, it's win now, and even if you win, sometimes it's not good enough. Just ask David Blatt. But um, it's been a wild ride, and uh, it it makes me thankful, and I'm sure um, you're in the same situation this year because you know Alvin's going to be here for a few years, and certainly your club has, has dealt with injuries and everything that could be just a a really precarious way to start the season. You at least know you have some stability there. For the Grizzlies, we've, we've been on a little shaky ground at times, and thankfully our ownership went to our head coach, Dave Yeager, even when the team was struggling and said, look, we know this isn't your fault. We know it's you know uh, a move we made to get Brandon Wright, who's played seven games, and that's hurt the front court depth. And you know the, we know that there's things going on here that that are beyond what's that. Now, if he would appear to lose the team, you know nobody's ever totally safe. But they gave him the vote of confidence, and because of that, the team was able to pull themselves out of it. And I think we get too caught up um, as sports fans and, and as people that watch the game or love the game and saying, hey, if we fire the coach, things will get better right away. No, they won't. You are what you are, and if it's a tough year, it's a tough year. Now, if you lose the locker room and guys just aren't responding, well, then that's one thing, and Phoenix showed that at times. But if your team's there and trying and putting out the effort, but you know, you're know you just not as good as Golden State or San Antonio, that that's not all on the coach, and I think too many times front offices forget that, disrupt things, and set themselves back a year or two by bringing in a new guy unless it's just the absolute perfect fit.
1: Yeah. Um. For those keeping sure here, uh, four head coaches fired, three more have missed games due to injury or illness. That's seven <laughs> interim head coaches at some point this season.
4: Yeah, who's that? Well, it was Jason Kidd, obviously, and Steve Kerr. Who was the third?
1: Well, most recently here in New Orleans, it was George Carl was unable to coach the other night uh, for Sacramento. He was sick, and so Chad Iskey uh, was served uh... as interim head coach. Yep.
4: So Chad designed the defense that allowed uh, Sacramento native Ryan Anderson to pour 30 in in the first half. Is that it?
1: Well, um, you know, uh, let's let's not accuse George Carl's teams of pulling a tremendous amount of defense anyway. But we'll Bro, just leave it we with that. saw
4: them the other day, and I'm going to tell you, like, it's been a long time since I've seen defense like that. And I just, I, I look down at our counterpart, Gary Gerald, who's one of the nicest men in our business, you know, 75 years old and has been with the Kings for going on 30 years and, uh, you know, still calls a good game. And I just look down. And he's just shaking his head at the timeout. Like he looks Nick's eyes, and he just holds his hands up. He's like, "What are we supposed to do?" And I was like, yeah. "Well, you might want to tell him that guarding a guy would help." But you know, it's it, it was it was hard to watch at times because you know they have a lot of talent, but for some reason their their chemistry on the defensive end of the floor is is not good. And George Carl teams have never been known to play defense, and their offense can get the ball up the floor, but when you're going to give up 108 at night, it's going to be really hard to win in this league. That's just the bottom it, line.
1: It is. It is. They can score, but they they give it up too. Um, insightful yep. as always. Uh, Recover today. We'll see you at the arena tonight, my friend. Can't wait, brother.
4: Always a good time when we're here. And uh, you know, I've got family in Metairie, so this uh, this city holds a very special place to me. And uh, I'm I'm glad to see it it's, it's doing well. And, It was interesting for us to be able to see part of the uh, Mardi Gras celebration. Generally, we don't get down here for it. So looking forward to catching up with you and seeing all the good people here. And uh, I think it'll be another good game between
1: these two teams. We're better today for having you as a guest. I appreciate it, (laughs) Eric.
4: I appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
1: You got it. Anita Marks from ESPN Radio to talk Super Bowl 50 with us when we come back. Stay with us.
0: Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you.
5: Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people, Entergy.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As Again, we're gearing up for Super Bowl 50. We've had a great lineup of guests so far this weekend, and it continues here with Anita Marks, who, by the way, you'll find just about anywhere, um, especially with some kind of an ESPN uh, nearby it, whether it be ESPN Radio New York or ESPN Radio National or ESPN W., Uh she joins us here kindly enough on the black and blue report to talk about the upcoming Super Bowl. And Anita with your schedule, uh I'm I'm surprised we got a hold of you to tell you the truth.
3: Well, I mean things have really slowed down, right? There's only two teams remaining. There's only so much (laughs) you can say about Carolina and Denver, right?
1: (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. Well we're gonna we'll find a way. And 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 in all seriousness, you're right. It's only two teams left for so folks like you and me, I mean, as you're a part of the Giants broadcast team as well, and certainly we're sitting here in New Orleans with the Saints. Um, it's kind of bittersweet to talk about just the two teams left and neither one of which are the ones that we work for, you know?
3: Yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I apologize. I don't know how, how long you have been a part of the, the, the Saints broadcast team, but I'm going on my sixth year with the Giants. So I had the pleasure of, of being a part of this broadcast team when the Giants beat the Patriots in Indianapolis. So, I mean, you know, to, to be along on that ride uh was really spectacular. If you recall, they were about a five hundred team, got into the playoffs as a wild card, nobody was really expecting anything from them. And they just they just caught fire at the right time. And and I feel like a lot of times you see that with a number of teams. Um if you look back the history of, of teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, teams that just peaked at the right time. And so when a team does that, it's really exciting. Uh, because there's there's certain things that happen as you know, balls bounce a certain way, a little luck is involved, and it was just such a great ride. And then of course to come back to New York City, I got to be on one of the floats down the uh, the parade, Canyon of Champions, down in New York City, and and i had to be hands down like the best day of my prof- my professional career, hands down.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And in some way, Anita, can you draw? a parallel here. You know, Carolina has been so dominant this season, especially in the postseason. Um, so when I look at Denver, and it's hard to say that Denver would be a severe underdog, but in a lot of ways, people are making that conversation here as they enter as the AFC champs. Shouldn't the Giants and what they did to the New England Patriots be a cautionary tale for teams like Carolina that may be thinking of how good things have been here coming into this final game of the year?
3: Absolutely. Um, I mean that's that's a great analogy to use especially how dominant the Denver defense was I mean you saw what they were able to do to to Tom Brady um the only difference is Carolina has a better offensive line I mean you know let's face it you know everybody wants to uh, it just it, poor Tom Brady I think he needed a hug after the game and 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 how you know social media went nuts and and, and really took digs at him and, and I understandably I mean listen nobody really likes the Patriots unless you live in New England but um, but when it's down to it, really, I, 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 think, I think the unit that failed the, the Patriots was the offensive line. You, you look at Carolina's offensive line, it's, it's, it's so much better than the Patriots. That's where my concern comes in. And then also, look at the stats in regard to, to Cam Newton. The success that he has, um, he has double-digit touchdowns in plays where teams – Brought the kitchen sink and, and, and blitzed him. So now this is, I think this is going to be really intriguing and it's going to be a really intriguing aspect of the game. And Wade Phillips, everybody gave Wade Phillips a lot of credit, uh, for the way that he, he really, he really mastered that defense and, in and the play calling in regard to get to, to, to Tom Brady. What do you do against Cam Newton? Now, uh, uh, do you play that aggressive style of defense where, you know, you, you have these exotic blitz packages or, do you kind of just try to contain and send more guys in coverage? Because, let's say, this is another thing, Sean, that's really amazing to me that I don't think, I don't think enough people talk about. What's Cam Newton working with? I mean, I mean, come on, Ted no disrespect, Ted Ginn Jr., Jericho Cotri, um, Funchess. These guys are three, four wide receivers in another team's core. Granted, yes, he is Greg Olson, arguably one of the top three tight ends in the NFL. I get it. But what Cam Newton has been able to do with the talent, the skill set, the skill position players around him is amazing. So I think it's really, really going to be interesting. You make the analogy of the Giants. How did the Giants beat the Patriots? Because of their defensive line, because of their aggressive nature, can Wade Phillips and the Denver Broncos, can they risk that knowing the success that Cam Newton has against aggressive defenses? That's going to be really interesting to watch.
1: All valid points, that's for sure. So let me flip the script for you, Anita Marks. Let me, let me ask you this question. If if that's what Denver's facing, and certainly as Gary Kubiak said, they haven't seen anything like this all year. Heck, the NFL hasn't seen anything like this. What does Carolina have to deal with that Denver presents that perhaps the Panthers themselves haven't seen all season long? Wow,
3: that's a great question. Um, you know, def- like defensive – Defensively, I, I, you know, this, this is arguably the best defense. If you look at Carolina's schedule, you know, again, no disrespect to other teams, but you know, they, they didn't have the most difficult schedule this season, Sean. They really didn't. If you go back and you look at who mm-hmm. they played, so I, I think you could sit here and you could say, arguably, this is the best defense that the Carolina Panthers will have faced this season. Um, so that, that aspect. Listen, and and, and I'll come clean with this. Going into the Denver Patriots game, I was adamant that I felt the Denver Broncos had the wrong quarterback under center. I was lobbying for Brock Osweiler. I felt that the Denver Broncos had more success rushing the football with him under center because Peyton just did not want to play under center. He wanted to be in that shotgun style. And Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson were not getting success rushing the football from that formation. Um, Listen, we saw him throw ducks. He couldn't complete a pass over 20 yards. How are you going to stretch the field? You're going to make it easy for the defense. Like, I, I just was adamant. And Peyton Manning came out. Sean, you proved me so wrong. So wrong. I mean, just and, and there were certain plays that really stood out to me. If you recall the one where he, he, he took his drop step and, and there were two guys that came off the end untouched and he kind of ran this bootleg to get out of the pocket to throw the ball away to not take the sack – I haven't seen Peyton Manning do that in years. So this yeah, is gonna like going to be interesting to me to see, okay, now two weeks heading into this game, how healthy is Peyton Manning going to be? Are we going to see the Peyton Manning that we saw in that Patriots game? Because I, 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 I ate crow the next day, and, and I was totally wrong. And Peyton Manning, this is the guy that the Denver Broncos need, and of course everybody's going to be behind him hoping that he wins the Super Bowl and he rides off into the sunset like John Elway did when he played for the Denver Broncos. But that's, that's going to be interesting to see that dynamic in regard to, offensively, what can Denver do against this defense uh, with Peyton Manning? I, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know either, and that's what makes the game very intriguing for sure. And it's also, Anita, the perfect lead-in to a real humdinger of a final question here for you. It's deep. You ready? Uh-oh. Okay. All right, so with I'm regard ready. to Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning and his legacy, possibly this being his last game, and the comments that Cam Newton has made about, you know, people don't know what to do with me, and I'm the same guy, and you know, I'm not changing who I am, and uh, his, I guess, his, uh, his, uh, his aura, if you will. So let me ask you this: for the who, who is it worse off for to be the losing quarterback in Super Bowl Fifty? Does it hurt Peyton Manning more to lose this game, or does it hurt Cam Newton more, based upon what he's what he's placing all of his. Uh, I guess, his chops on here after what he's accomplished over the last season and a half.
3: Well, first, first and foremost, I, just, I want to comment on, on Cam's comment that he, he said mm-hmm. uh, last week, and, and that was that he said people are scared of him, they haven't seen a quarterback like him, and of course he talked about him being an African-American. Hello, Randall Cunningham, um, Watch some film, kid. So And, and, I, and, and I, I've never, I don't know about you, Sean, I've never sat back and said, ooh, I'm scared of Cam Newton. I, I dig the dude. I love the dab. I like. I love. I love that he hands a ball to a kid after every touchdown, and he makes that kid's year. I, I mean, I just, I, I have embraced him. I, I and 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 it's 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 really perplexing to me why so many so many fans across the country have not, because the way he plays is infectious. It's fun. It's exciting. I look, black and white. And, and I'm sorry that, that if there are people out there who do. This isn't about him being an African-American quarterback. This is him being, what is he, 6'5", 225, probably runs a four four. Like, the dude's just a sick athlete, and he's got a gun, and he's just so fun to watch. So that makes me sad that there are people out there that are not embracing this young man because the way that he plays football is so fun and so, so exciting. But to answer your question... I think it would be more, I don't want to use the word detrimental, but I I, I think the loss would be a lot more severe for Peyton Manning because let's face it, how much much longer does Peyton Manning have left? Now, this is the other question, Sean, that's going to be really interesting is, if Denver wins and Peyton wins, is that the door for him to retire? And what I mean by retire is retire playing. I really do believe that he might go and invest in a team. Maybe he invests in the Saints. Right. I mean, they grew up right mm-hmm. there, in, you know, in 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 New Orleans. Maybe he invests in the Tennessee Titans. Who knows? Maybe maybe he. Who knows what he does? Maybe he decides he wants to go play for Hugh Jackson and the Cleveland Browns because we know they're going to need a quarterback if Johnny Manziel's out the door. We don't know what the future holds for Peyton Manning. If he does win, there's a chance he might retire. And what a beautiful story that is, right? Oh, it's, it's oh, just a that's, that's a storybook ending to, to a career, a guy that we know is going to end up in Canton. Cam without Newton, if he loses, he what? He's got another 10 years left to play. He's got an opportunity to get back. I don't think Carolina is going anywhere. If anything, they're only going to get better. Who knows? Next year, maybe they do add a, another wide receiver to the mix. Um, that and, and I'm sorry, his name escapes me. The wide receiver who went down with the ACL. They, they drafted from FSU.
1: Um, oh, my gosh. He, uh, yeah. Um, right?
3: Right. So he, yes. he's going to be back healthy next year. I don't think Carolina's going anywhere. I think Carolina just might be back in this mix as one of the best teams in the NFL next season. To answer your question, I know I'm pretty long-winded here. I think, I think if, if Peyton loses, if the Denver Broncos lose, I think that loss um, will, will, will hit harder than anything else because chances are Peyton will never be back in this situation again.
1: Yeah, I, I don't mean to end on a negative, but it's, it's, it's something that's kind of got me thinking a little bit this week, no doubt about it. So well said, and, uh, and I appreciate your comments about Cam too. Uh, this has been delightful. I hope that you enjoy all of Super Bowl week out in the, the Bay Area. Uh, it seems like it's a pretty good spot for a Super Bowl, and uh, I think that our days of seeing California Super Bowls at the Rose Bowl are long gone. Uh, if they ever return to SoCal, it will be at the new facility in Inglewood So enjoy your visit to the Bay Area, Anita.
5: Thank
3: you, thank you. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Anita Marks, Giants Radio Network, of course, ESPN Radio New York, ESPN Radio, and the mothership itself, ESPN and its family of networks. Our guest, on the Black and Blue Report.
2: The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. Your New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guys' Night Out six-pack, presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guys' Night Out on Monday, February 1st, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys' Night Out today.
0: Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today.
1: Final segment here on this Monday, the Black and Blue Report, and we're graced by the presence of Tremera here in Studio B. She's joining us, of course, from the Pelicans dance team, probably fresh off from putting together another Pelicans planner from, for uh, Pelicans.com. Good morning, Tremera. Good
5: morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Was that right? Pelicans planner, was that your job today?
5: Yes, it was
1: the award-winning Pelicans Planner on pelicans.com. Um, I'll get to that in a second. I do have to ask you, uh, as I'm asking most everybody today, um, about uh, Mardi Gras this past weekend. Did you partake in any of the festivities?
5: I did not, but I will definitely be catching up on my Mardi Gras festivities this week and weekend. Did you do any Mardi Gras parading?
1: No, no. I I, 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 I sat back and kind of watched a little bit from afar. Um I don't know why I didn't. The weather was fantastic. I should have probably.
5: Yeah, you should have. I, I know if I could have, I would have.
1: Yeah, I know. I know you guys have got to be worn out. We've been home for like two weeks. So that means, let's see now, that's six straight games you guys have been performing at, right?
5: Yes. yes. Are you ready
1: for the team to go back on the road?
5: Uh, Yes and no. <laughs> yes, because I would want a little break. And no, because I miss it so much that I just want them to come back. And never leave again.
1: <laughs> well, I think that probably most of us would be okay with that. The NBA might have something to say about that, but uh, yeah, they would. I could take home games the rest of the season.
5: Me too. Yeah.
1: We've got one more coming up tonight. This ends the seven game homestand tonight uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, this is one of two guys night outs uh, this week, Tremera. I, I know you'll talk about it in Pelican's planner, but it's rare that we would have two of these in the same week.
5: Yes, Um, we have one tonight, and the other is on Thursday, and guys get a great deal. You know, two tickets, four beers, and a free game of bowling at Fulton Alley. I don't think you can really get that anywhere else. So, guys, if you're listening, you definitely want to get your tickets so you can come and cheer on your Pelicans.
1: I think it means a lot more, Tramira, when you ask them to come out to the game as opposed to me.
5: Yeah, maybe so. And, I mean, the dance team has some really cute dances, so, you know. You definitely want to come and check us out, too.
1: Oh, okay. Well, is, there, is there a theme this week? Is there something new that we'll see unveiled?
5: Uh, yes, on Thursday. We have a, no re- hint. a really, really cute Mardi Gras dance. That's all I'm going to tell you. So okay. you definitely want to come and see what we have in store.
1: All right, fair enough. Hey, speaking of Mardi Gras, since we've been talking about that, and you guys have a dance plan for Wednesday, or Thursday, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the Mardi Gras uniforms the guys wore this past weekend?
5: I love them. I absolutely love them, and the dance team actually has kind of mock jerseys, Mardi Gras jerseys similar to theirs, and we just cannot wait to wear ours and, you know, kind of be twins with them.
1: I think that's going to be great. I think that'd be great. Hey, speaking of great, by the way, I'm glad you're here today Um, because congratulations on making it to the All-Star Game in Toronto. You'll represent the uh, organization on the dance team side yes uh, as a member of the all-star dance team so way to go kid
5: thank you thank you i'm excited never been to toronto a little you know apprehensive about the snow and the cold weather seeing that we don't get it much down here but i'm excited and i can't wait to represent this great organization
1: it is a beautiful city with a tremendous international flair to it i think you're going to absolutely love toronto probably you'll head back when it's not, you know, four degrees outside. Most likely. And, uh, yeah. Um, tell me about the selection process. How, do, how does the NBA and how do the dance teams all go about uh, sending representatives to, like, in this case, Toronto?
5: Um, each organization sends pictures of, you know, a few of their dancers. And the organization actually picks the final girl from each team. And then we are going to come together and make the all-star dance team. And actually, we have to learn a few dances before we even get there, because once we all arrive in Toronto, we'll be knocking out dances at the Skills Challenge, um, also the All-Star Celebrity Game, and the game itself on, actually, Valentine's Day.
1: Yes, it will be Valentine's Day. So um, I'm excited. Yes, so it doesn't sound like you're going to have all that much time to see the city of Toronto while you're there.
5: No, but if it's if it's as beautiful as everyone says it is, I'll definitely have to make another trip back to Toronto.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Congratulations, I think that's great news. Thank great you. News. Well deserved. Thank you. Um, what else do we have for Pelicans Planner this week? What, what did you cram into the videos that we'll be seeing on Pelicans.com?
5: Also, Thursday, the first 8,000 fans will be receiving a Mardi Gras Cup, courtesy of our friends at U.S. agencies, so we definitely want every, we encourage everybody to come out early and definitely get those and stay, you know, to watch your Pelicans, and also starting today, you can either buy or renew your season tickets for the 2016-17 Pelican season
1: wow we're really we're really turning the corner towards spring now aren't we
5: yeah we are um
1: yeah with that being said i guess if you jump in on it now you'll have pick of the litter with regard to seats right
5: yes and then there will also be some great prizes each day that you um renew your season tickets so you definitely want to get in on those early
1: oh that's right that sets us up for march you're right about that yep Excellent. 525-HOOP is the number to call. And, of course, go to Pelicans.com and catch your uh, Pelicans planner with Trimera, uh from the Pelicans dance team. Yep. All right, Tremera, so let's see. We won't talk to you until after your All-Star experience. Is that correct?
5: Yes, and hopefully I'll okay. have a lot of stories to come back and tell you and maybe some photos to share.
1: I'll take the photos. That'll be great. And if you don't have enough good stories, just make some up. Is that fair?
5: <laughs> Perfect.
1: We'll see you tonight at Smoothie King Center, Tremera, and then again on Thursday. Um, uh, And we've got to get back to the road this week, too. So, unfortunately, we won't have you every game. So, uh, all the best to you and the ladies tonight, and we'll be looking for the very special routine on Thursday.
5: Thank you. All
1: right, there she is, Tremera from the Pelicans dance team, all-star dance team as well across the NBA. So, congratulations again. Uh, She and Anthony Davis will be representing the team uh, coming up uh, later uh, next, well, I guess we are in February now, later this month, the middle of the month, as a matter of fact. That'll do it for us on this Monday. Uh, Thanks, of course, to Anita Marks from ESPN Radio and also Eric Castletime from the Memphis Grizzlies Radio Network. We're back at you tomorrow. More of the same. Pelicans talk, Saints talk, the Black and Blue Report. No appointment radio for you here each and every weekday. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source The Black and Blue Report.